Welcome to Deprogram, the Progressive Program, a primer to progressivism, history, strategy, rules, and application. To continue to deprogram, we'll begin Chapter 6, Progressive Ruling Class Applications. We'll begin with universal health care. Universal health care is a progressive clower and piven trifecta dream. It will guarantee nobody will be insured, bankrupt the country, and usher in Marxism. It is unsustainable, creates cost inefficiencies, skyrocketing prices and premiums, huge deductibles, rationing, waiting lines, age discrimination, and a two-tier rich versus poor health care system. According to Sally Pipes, the CEO of the Pacific Research Organization, over 200,000 Canadians come to the U.S. every year for treatment. They pay over $13,000 per year in taxes for health care, and the average wait time for Canadian care is approximately six months. Over 236,000 people in the U.K. wait an average of six months for a doctor's appointment. 36,000 more wait an average of nine months. The U.K. puts a cap on all medical expenses for their patients, and care is rationed according to age. The older you get, the lower the cap. Presently, the U.K. has a shortage of 11,000 doctors because of low government pay. Medicare for all in the U.S. will devastate health care for the elderly, but the progressives have long stated that the faster old white people die off, the better. Prior to Obamacare, in 2009 through 2013, Gallup showed that 84 to 87 percent of the people were happy with their coverage and care, but felt it was a little expensive. Progressives justify the $1.4 trillion cost of Obamacare by telling us that 30 million people were uninsured. Around 12 million of those were illegal aliens, and another 11 million were 18 to 28-year-olds who felt they didn't need insurance and wanted to take their chances. According to the GAO, those 30 million uninsured individuals could have been put on Medicaid for $30 billion, saving taxpayers over $1 trillion annually. Now after the Obamacare disaster, 30 million working people are not insured. Taxpayers are picking up the now skyrocketing premiums that used to be covered by the private sector. The deductibles average between $8,000 and $11,000, and most people can't afford to use their coverage. When the government became involved in health care, costs quadrupled. Similarly, when the government became involved in student loans, the cost of higher education quadrupled. Forbes claims the so-called Affordable Care Act has been misnamed, especially for people who buy their health plans on their own rather than obtain it through an employer. While non-advocates and politicians have cited numerous examples of people facing huge premium increases, ACA advocates have responded that those are cherry-picked cases or that premiums were increasing before ACA and would have increased anyway. Those responses are no longer plausible. It turns out that across the board, for all ages and family sizes, for HMO, PPO, and POS plans, premium increases averaged about 60% from 2013, the last year before ACA reforms took effect, to 2017. In comparison, during the four years prior to the ACA, no group experienced a premium increase of more than 10%, and on average, most age groups experienced premium decreases. New longitudinal data has been accumulated from eHealth, which sold ACA plans as well as a wide variety of health plans before the ACA was passed. The data broke down pre- and post-ACA changes by age, individuals versus family, and plan type. Overall, health maintenance organizations' HMO premiums decreased 4.6% in the four years before the ACA reforms came into effect from 2009 to 2013, but increased 46.4% in the first four years under the ACA. Point-of-service POS premiums decreased 14.9% before the ACA and increased a whopping 66.2% afterwards. Premiums for the more common preferred provider organizations, PPO plans, increased 15% in the four years before the ACA and 66.2% afterwards. Today, in 2019, ACA has now increased over 200%. Two-thirds of our population, 180 million, currently have private health care and 121 million are under Medicare or Medicaid. 
Progressives now want to put everyone on Medicare, turning it into Medicaid at a cost of $30 trillion over 10 years, effectively bankrupting our country. They also want taxpayers to pay the health care for the additional 200 million legal and illegal immigrants that they plan to invite into our country over the next 30 years. When progressives apply their redistribution ideologies on economies, the economies collapse. When that occurs, progressives project blame on capitalism, claiming the cure is more progressivism, until we spiral down into resembling Venezuela. Just 30 years ago, extreme poverty worldwide was over 40%. Now because of capitalism, it's down to 10%. It's bewildering why progressives reject liberty for Marxist tyranny. Another ruling class application of the progressive movement is open borders. Bill Clinton, State of the Union, 1995. All Americans are rightly disturbed by the large number of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public services they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. Barack Obama on Immigration, 2006. When I see Mexican flags waving at pro-immigration demonstrations, I sometimes feel a flush of patriotic resentment. When I'm forced to use a translator to communicate with a guy fixing my car, I feel a certain frustration. Progressive ruling class policies and or non-policies have caused the recent massive increases in illegal U.S. border crossings. Progressives have obstructed every remedy offered to resolve this issue because changing our demographics is fundamental to the takeover of our country. For example, the New Way Forward Act, which so far has 44 Democratic co-sponsors, would allow people who have committed serious felonies in other countries to move to the United States legally. It would require taxpayers to pay to transport deported criminals back into the United States upon their request. This bill would also make it nearly impossible for federal immigration officials to detain immigrants no matter how potentially dangerous they are. Instead of being transparent in their intent, the progressives hide their objectives by projecting their blame on Trump. Progressives like Jacob Sabaroff of MSNBC and Neera Tandon from the Center for American Progress, a Soros organization, continue making media rounds blaming Trump for immigration problems that they engineered. Instead of giving Trump credit for stopping the invasion which they created, they now claim people are fleeing Central America because Trump cut their financial aid. These patently untrue, wildly concocted lies are so hypocritical they take your breath away. Progressives incentivize and advocate open borders. There is no limit to the shameful redirect that they'll use in their determination to destroy America for their global Marxist ideology. Central Americans were fleeing to America long before Trump became president. Trump used the few remedies the progressives couldn't immediately take from him to resolve this issue. He threatened to cut the aid of the corrupt Central American governments because they were stealing and or wasting our aid money, while at the same time they were encouraging their people to leave. When their illicit behavior continued, he finally cut back their aid. Central American governments are happy to export poverty and crime to the U.S. while collecting billions in aid and remittances. In return, the progressives are happy to encourage hundreds of thousands of asylum seekers and unaccompanied minors to break our laws and illegally enter our country. Progressives refuse to change the asylum and Flores laws so they can bolster their chances of taking over and controlling our country. The progressives continue using taxpayer money to encourage hundreds of thousands of illegals to rush our borders and then have the gall to blame Trump for the invasion. To breach our country's sovereignty, progressives use America's immigrant heritage and repressive tolerance. The mantra, we are a nation of immigrants, and calling Americans oppressive white racists, are used to delegitimize our sovereign citizen rights, our objection to their invasion, and their illegal entry into our country. Progressives use this argument to allow illegal immigrants to get their foot in the door, then hold the door open for their families and their families' families, and so on, a process known as chain migration. Massive legal and illegal immigration is another progressive ruling class Clower and Piven scheme to take over and control our country. The U.S. declared its independence in 1776 and became a sovereign country in 1788. 
It was established as a white European-English-speaking country based on European principles, such as the Magna Carta, Adam Smith, Edmund Burke, John Locke, Thomas Paine, as well as others. Fifty years after the U.S. was created, in the early 1800s, after more Spanish, French, and Germans arrived, Mexico, Central, and South America established their countries. Many U.S. families can be traced back to the 1600s, 200 years before these Latin American countries were formed. The genesis of France, Russia, and other European countries were established between 800 A.D. and 1100 A.D. Every country in the world started as a nation of immigrants. Can we invade them? Are they allowed sovereignty? Soros and the Progressives are using Alinsky's technique of symbol construction to strengthen unity within the illegal immigration movement. They fund and use government funds to support and draw loyalty from churches and other religious affiliations to create structured organizations with which to operate. They use religious symbols of the Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, and other faiths that people identify with. This makes it easier to mobilize and implement direct action. The invasion of Marxist Elvira Arilano's migrant caravan movement. The common enemy the unite against is the illegitimate, white-privileged, racist oppressors. As in the social Darwinian days, many of our religious leaders have become as corrupted by money and power as our politicians and should no longer be revered. The road to hell is paved with good intentions and let no good deed go unpunished. Conservative media believes the reason the progressive ruling class recently changed their minds on border security is because they hate and want to stop Trump. That's partially true. The real truth is that the progressives are George Soros's marionettes. He's their money source, connection, and puppet master. Soros is a Fabian, a one-world global open society cult that professes to remake the world in their image. After the progressives lost the election to Trump, Soros called their leaders to heal. Soros and his elite Open Border Society members, the Davos Globalists, ordered the progressives to resist American voters and open our borders just as they ordered the European leaders to resist the Brexit voters and open Europe's borders. That's why the progressives suddenly flip-flop and won't support border walls or change the laws to immediately remove people who illegally entered our country. It's certainly not to advantage the working class who they previously professed to help. Now they support the Clower and Piven plan, sanctuaries, taxpayer services for illegals, and act and support laws that support illegals over American citizens and represent non-citizens over citizens. For instance, the House just passed a law that prevents ICE from being contacted if illegals purchase guns, but they want to confiscate U.S. citizens' guns. Eleanor Acer, Refugee Director for Human Rights First, really gets pissed when she can't cost American taxpayers billions by flooding our towns, neighborhoods, schools, and jails with third-world indigents. She's angry because asylum-seeking men, not women or children, now must wait in Mexico while their cases are being adjudicated. She works hard to assist Soros and to enrich the cartels by helping them release their human cargo directly in the U.S., Acer's aware that the illegals she helps will fade into the population and less than 3% will return for their court hearing. The only time that Acer and the illegals are remotely concerned with our laws is when they can manipulate them for their benefit to further their invasion of our country. They can't care less that they broke our laws by illegally crossing our borders, that they're illegally residing in our country, burdening American taxpayers and sucking up our social services. Veronica Escobar, Democrat, El Paso, Texas, feels Trump is an anti-immigrant racist because he won't let her illegal immigrants flood endlessly and freely across our borders to help her political career. She feels that American taxpayers have an obligation to send lawyers to other countries to recruit, counsel, and help asylum seekers enter our country. Nevada's former Attorney General, Catherine Cortez Masto, catapulted herself into a Democratic U.S. Senate seat when she effectively made Nevada a sanctuary state and increased its Latino population from 9% to 30%. Masto did not care that this cost each Nevada resident an additional $763 annually to house, feed, and educate illegal immigrants. Louis Miranda, the former DNC communications director, believes that we need an orderly, legal means to further immigration into America because Americans are not producing children anymore.
Rather than incentivize Americans to increase our population, DNC Hispanics want an orderly legal takeover of our country with more immigrants to increase their power. When DNC Hispanics feel entitled to dominate, control, subjugate, and or eliminate others by flaunting the law over other races, this is called racial supremacism or racism. Still progressives claim everyone else is the racist and they're not for open borders. Pathetically, when appealing to modern voters, progressives like O'Rourke and Gillibrand claim they're for border security. To the contrary, they support tearing down border walls, eliminating ICE, decreasing border security funding, and reducing retention center beds that force catch and release. Progressives claim to support border security, but have never presented a plan. They vote against border walls, changing asylum laws, Kate's Law, and eliminating sanctuary cities, and yet they claim to support border security. The truth is, Soros progressives holler racism and block every solution to fix the problem while millions of illegals continue to cross our borders. At the expense of American workers and taxpayers, the progressive ruling class encourages illegals by granting them honorary citizenship and constitutional rights, such as amnesty, sanctuary, education, jobs, child care, health care, welfare, tax incentives, driving privileges, and voting rights. Texas Secretary of State David Whitley has announced that there are 95,000 non-U.S. citizens registered to vote in Texas, 58,000 of which have voted in at least one or more elections. Communities throughout the U.S., California, Maryland, and others have enacted laws allowing illegals to vote in local and state elections. Illegal voters benefit progressives but rob American citizens of their vote, representation, property, and liberty. This doesn't bother Nancy Pelosi, who stated in an interview that she supports illegal voting rights because it makes them feel more welcome. How's that for incentive? The progressives are using illegals to take over our country and have decided that we're not allowed to know the cost and or how many of them are flooding our schools, hospitals, jails, and country. They've forbidden those services from giving out that information. They're fighting in court to prevent a citizenship census question to prevent us from even knowing how many illegals are in the country. We're not allowed to know their plan, how much it costs, or how many is enough. Using another of their moral imperatives, they preach, it's the right thing to do. For whom? The corporate elite and their lemmings? The useful idiots who unwittingly support their greed? In truth, they're usurping power by importing millions of foreign voters that align themselves with their Marxist ideology and to hell with the citizens that they're supposed to represent. They're importing new voters who are more than happy to vote to overthrow our government and make your stuff their stuff. Progressives are hijacking our country, imposing taxation without representation, telling us to shut up and pay or be branded a racist. They've enacted legislation that prevents border walls, deportation, the deportation of illegal sponsors, and the illegals they sponsor. In typical progressive mafia fashion, until they're able to pass and open border laws that allow everyone in, they block border security so everyone enters anyway. Heads they win, tails you lose. Nancy Pelosi stated in a news conference that illegals have the right to come here. One might wonder why progressive leaders represent illegals over American citizens. It's because, instead of representing the people's interest, they're doing George Soros's bidding. People who support illegal immigration support enriching the Mexican cartels who make billions off smuggling their human cargo. Smugglers can care less about the tragedies and costs they heap upon the American citizens. Progressives represent Mexican cartels and their drug, sex, and human smuggling operations. The factions of special interest that progressives represent are George Soros's open society, corporate globalists, cheap illegal labor, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Business Roundtable, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, Swift Meatpacking Company, SEIU, La Raza, the Mexican lobby are just among the few. They pretend to represent the downtrodden, but really represent the Marxist ruling class corporate elites. Remember, over 85% of Wall Street's campaign funding goes to progressives. True to Walensky's rules, make the enemy live up to its own book of rules, and ridicule as man's most potent weapon, progressives tell Americans that walls are immoral and, of course, racist. Meanwhile, they fund abortions throughout Mexico and Latin America. 
Progressives voted for $500,000 to fund walls in Jordan and voted to fund walls in the UK, Spain, Hungary, Israel, and Tunisia. It appears that only walls protecting Americans and the U.S. are immoral. Stacey Abrams and Joe Biden accused Trump of ripping children from their parents' arms and caging children, policies that began under Biden during the Obama-Biden administration. The truth is that these children are put in caged areas at night to protect and separate them from sexual predators. Maybe the illegals bear some responsibility. If they weren't breaking our laws and illegally invading our country, we wouldn't have to put them anywhere. They're supported by people without borders and assisting the Marxists that want to destroy us. As usual, the Progressive Media Coalition turns the illegal invaders into victims and heroes and turns American citizens into villains and oppressors. There's a moral parallel, however. The illegals believe, as do the progressives, that if they surrender to our government, our government will take care of them. It's also a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more illegals, the larger their progressive voting base, who vote for more illegals, taxpayer benefits, the theft of America's property, and eventually the theft of America. They preach, that's not who we are, and Reagan understood compassion at the border, but neither they nor the illegals have compassion or respect for American citizens. As they push their open border agenda forward, they implement the Alinsky Rule. If you push a negative hard and deep enough, it will break through into its counterside. They defund bed space and shop for activist judges who subvert laws that force law enforcement to release illegals into our country. Disciples of Clower and Piven, progressives are the problem rather than the solution. To usher in their Marxist agenda, progressives create problems, then accuse anyone who doesn't bend to their madness of being inhumane or racist. Tennessee Williams said, The only thing worse than a liar is a liar that's also a hypocrite. Progressives can turn off the magnet and resolve 95% of the border problems within hours by passing legislation to fix the asylum, flores, and non-contiguous laws. All illegals caught entering the U.S. from other countries should automatically be returned to their country. After breaking our laws, illegals shouldn't be rewarded by being allowed to remain in our country while waiting for a trial at the expense of our taxpayers. New legislation should, one, eliminate asylum loopholes. People must apply for asylum outside of the U.S. Two, eliminate the Flores Law, the ban on removing minors. Three, immediately remove those caught illegally crossing our borders without a court hearing. Four, zero tolerance. If caught entering illegally, they can never enter the U.S. again. 5. Incrementally increase jail time with each illegal re-entry. 6. Prosecute adults for child endangerment. 7. Make E-Verify mandatory and deny illegals any taxpayer benefits including schooling. The U.S. could tax Mexico 25% on their remittances from the U.S. in order to fund the wall and its maintenance. Instead of calling the wall medieval, promote the wall as a modern wall with drones, sensors, cameras, and other advanced technology. If there's money left over, reimburse the cost of housing, schools, medical, food stamps, and welfare that the illegals have abused. The progressives, however, will probably argue that it's the American taxpayer's moral obligation to shoulder the burden of the illegals. The GAO has determined illegals cost the federal government over $225 billion annually. As noted by the real-time calculator supplied by Center for Immigration Services, FAIR, Department of Homeland Security, Yale, MIT, and Institute for Defense, in the first 11 months of 2019, an estimated 1,141,185 illegals have entered our country and we're on pace to exceed 1.3 million by 2020. The U.S. Border Patrol reports that for every illegal caught, an estimated three get away, yet the progressives claim it's still not an emergency. The U.S. houses over 11,000 illegal minors per day, at a cost of $125 each per day, for a total cost of $1,375,000 per day paid by the U.S. taxpayer. That's nearly $502 million a year just to house illegal minors. As noted by the real-time calculator, in 2019, the average daily cost of all illegals to American taxpayers was $475 million per day. 
As of November 2019, the cost of illegal aliens exceeded $275 billion, and this figure was expected to top $300 billion by the end of 2019. In addition to federal dollars, illegals cost state taxpayers annually. For example, Florida $6.2 billion, Texas $11 billion, California $23 billion, and so on. Texas pays $1 billion annually in border security alone. California pays $22 billion annually to educate illegals and house 42,000 prisoners who are here illegally, 24% of their inmate population. A Rice University study puts the cost of illegals at over $800 billion per year when including crime, court, jail, property damage, fraud, tax evasion, state and local cost. In February 26, 2019, Forbes magazine reported that health care for just 3.9 million uninsured illegals cost $4.6 billion in federal taxes, $2.8 billion in state and local taxes, and $3 billion in cost shifting, higher insurance rates to U.S. citizens to subsidize illegals. Americans subsidize $18.5 billion in health care annually to unauthorized illegals. This forces many U.S. citizens to go uninsured because of the higher insurance costs they incur supporting illegals. A 2018 audit by Medicale discovered that 400,000 unauthorized illegals received health care benefits costing California taxpayers over $4 billion annually. The real-time calculator estimates approximately 30 million illegals are now residing in our country. Pew reports were housing over 44.5 million illegal immigrants, nearly 14% of our population, which would mean one out of every seven people living in our country is here illegally. A $25 billion wall is a drop in the bucket to prevent even a portion of the billions in costs that Americans incur because of illegals. When the court overreaches allowing illegals to remain in the country, forcing Americans to enroll illegals into their school system, giving them health care, welfare, and tax incentive programs, they're exceeding their separation of power. They have no business granting illegals de facto citizenship, which imposes taxes on the citizenry, both of which are the purview of Congress. According to the Border Patrol, 138,000 illegals per year are held for crimes other than being here illegally, including over 4,000 murders. True to their Clower and Piven plan, progressives only want to provide 16,000 beds, leaving 122,000 criminals, illegal aliens, to be released into America, opening the borders for criminals. 50% of those illegals released reoffend within the first year, and 75 reoffend within five years. Nancy Pelosi claims walls are ineffective and illegal women and children aren't a security threat. Nancy lies and people die. According to the Border Patrol, walls slow illegal immigration, are 95% effective, and many of those illegal women and children join MS-13. Progressives want the crisis at the border, which is why they pretend it doesn't exist. The border crisis is not manufactured, but the humanitarian crisis is because the progressives incentivize them. Only thugs and progressives have the gall to organize and incentivize a caravan to attack the U.S., then project the blame onto Trump by accusing him of manufacturing its existence. Borderfacts.com reported amnesty declarations are up 1,700%, and 21,000 unaccompanied kids per month now cross our borders, and over 240,000 families entered our country illegally in the first four months of 2019. Border Patrol reported that apprehensions are up 100% since October 2018. Fentanyl busts are up 184%. MS-13 captures are up 174%. And over 4,000 individuals are caught daily trying to illegally enter our country. They reported that 76,000 apprehensions were made in February 2019, up 30% from the prior month, 80% from the prior year. 103,000 apprehensions were made in March 2019, 144,000 in April, and in May. Every illegal cost the American taxpayer $82,000 per year, not including the children born to them once here. Border Patrol reported that illegals brought in over 400,000 cases of malaria, tuberculosis, and mumps. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 54% of legal and 70% of illegal Hispanics are on welfare. Wall Street Journal reported that in Portland, Maine, 65 to 70 percent of the people receiving general assistance are non-citizens asylum seekers. Even when the truth is evident, progressives continue to dismiss the Border Patrol's crisis warning and stick with their Cloward and Piven plan. 
They spread their debunked lies to the public, claiming the border crisis is manufactured. Groucho Marx said, Who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? Or was that Nancy Pelosi and the progressives? Progressives constantly cited a libertarian think tank study from the Cato Institute that argues immigrants commit fewer crimes than Native Americans. This study has been debunked for several reasons, but as usual it doesn't stop the progressive media coalition from repeating the lie. The glaring discrepancies are in the methodology that fail to separate illegal from legal immigrants or visa overstays who get background checks and go through the legal process. They also sampled a geographical area that was known to have low immigration crime rates. John Lott's Arizona study doesn't rely on self-reporting data, uses 32 years of actual Arizona state prison data, and separates citizens, legal, and illegal residents. They found illegals were 142% more likely to commit crimes than natives, committed more serious crimes, served 10.5% longer sentences, and were 45% more likely to be gang-related. Younger illegal immigrants, ages 15 through 35, committed more serious crimes at twice the native rate. Legal immigrants that go through the legal entry process, which includes a background check, committed lower average crime rates. Illegal immigrants commit crimes at a rate more than four times that of Native Americans, or legal immigrants, and constitute 20% of the federal prison population. An OAN study found incarceration rates by state population were much greater for illegals than for citizens or legal residents. For example, illegals in California were 34% more likely, New Jersey 60% more likely, Arizona 50% more likely to commit crimes than residents. According to the DOJ, illegals committing federal crimes made up 88%, 8 and 9, of the non-citizens convicted in 2018. They accounted for 40% of all convicts sentenced between 2017 and 2018. These are both illegals that crossed over the border illegally and or overstayed their visa. Their crimes include drug trafficking, kidnapping, sex crimes, and murder. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, 64% of federal arrests and 43% of federal prosecutions were non-citizens who make up 7% of our population. According to the GAO, 25%, one out of four of all prisoners in the U.S. are foreign-born, and this foreign-born prison population costs taxpayers around $1.5 billion annually. Not only do Louis Miranda and the DNC want a legal, orderly takeover of our country, they want the U.S. taxpayer to pay the illegals to take us over. This is worse than being forced to train the worker who is replacing you. They not only want your job, they want your country. The cost to the poor and middle class Americans is of no concern to the millions of illegals who pour into our country every year. Nor is it a concern of Miranda, the DNC, the elites who benefit, or those who vote for the progressives and support the DNC. In fact, they're more concerned about the welfare of illegals than the welfare of American citizens. Progressives elected by American citizens seem to think that they represent illegals rather than American citizens. Our country's population decline began in the 1960s, when the environmentalists frightened us into believing that we were overpopulated. This overpopulation hysteria gave rise to an organization called Planned Parenthood, which controlled population growth through various methods of birth control. In the 60s, when this hysteria began, the U.S. population was 170 million people, 87% of whom were white. According to the Migration Policy Institute, we had far less immigration then, less than 125,000 per year. Grateful to be here, most immigrants were anxious to assimilate instead of aiding progressives in the overthrow of our government. Little did we know at the time that we needed to cut back on our birth rates so that we could import and accommodate the immigrant population. Since the 60s overpopulation hysteria, we have almost doubled our population, now around 330 million people, and less than 62% of the population is white. More than 2 million immigrants come here a year, 1 million legally and another million illegally, increasing our population by almost the size of Chicago annually. A February 2019 Pew poll asked Hispanics in the U.S. about the number of immigrants in America. 73% felt there were too many, or about the right amount, and only 14% felt there were too few. 
According to the Bureau of Labor, in the U.S., 94% of the farm workers are U.S. citizens, 2% are illegals, and 2% are legal non-citizens. 75% of custodians are U.S. citizens. It appears these are jobs Americans will do. The only people who think there are not enough immigrants are corporate donors, left-wing activists, and media outlets like CNN. Still, greedy progressive globalists advocate for the destruction of white America, call us racist, then demand that we welcome and support even more immigrants. Environmentalists, fearing a progressive backlash and loss of their funding, not only remain silent, but condone this environmental onslaught. The Pew Research Center estimates that immigrants and their children will constitute 82% of the population growth from 25 through 2050. Pew's 2008 report had projected the U.S. population would reach 438 million by 2050. It's now projected that between 2010 and 2050, 79.5 million additional immigrants will take up residence in the U.S. and that they will produce 55 million children, thereby increasing our population by 135 million by 2050. It's now anticipated, when combining native with immigrant growth, our population will increase by 571 million by 2050. Those projections were made prior to the 2019 Central American invasion, during which it has been projected that 1.2 million illegal immigrants entered the U.S. Those were just the ones who were caught. Three times that get away. We cannot manage our nation's ecological footprint unless we stabilize our population but we cannot stabilize our population without reducing annual immigration to a sustainable level. According to a FAIR report, immigrants create 213% more damage to the U.S. environment than they do to their home country's environment. When immigrants come to the U.S., they quadruple their CO2 emissions and cattle consumption, increase their use of fertilizer by a factor of six, increase their forest footprint by 357%, and birth 1.5 times more children than they do in their home country. The average immigrant uses 550,000 gallons of water annually. The decline of water levels coincides with the increase in water pollution. Nationwide, an estimated 40% of rivers, 46% of lakes, and 50% of estuaries are too polluted for fishing and swimming. This is more pronounced in the southwest, which is prone to droughts. According to FAIR, the average urban driver now spends more than 100 hours per year commuting to work compared to just 16 hours in 1982, an increase of 525%. The Texas Transportation Institute's annual study of traffic congestion in urban areas found that in 2005, Americans spent 4.2 billion hours delayed in traffic and wasted 2.9 billion gallons of fuel. That's enough wasted capital to fund all cancer research in America for the next 13 years. Increased traffic means more than wasted time and money. It means higher greenhouse gas emissions due to idling cars and more chemical runoff, which pollutes our nation's waterways in your backyard. From 2000 to 2010, 70 to 90% of sprawl nationally was caused by immigration-driven population growth. Our government continues to cover up the impact of immigration by avoiding producing an Environmental Impact Statement, EIS, on immigration. Now instead of assimilation, it's multiculturalism, diversity, and critical theory, the same identity politics the Marxists brought from the School of Frankfurt. Their ideology creates, then divides groups against each other to gain moral authority, destroy the status quo, and pave the way for the cultural revolution. This destructive multiculturalism has been found by sociologists and psychologists like Harvard's Robert Putnam to create isolation, crime, depression, low wages, welfare, crumbling communities, and other multicultural pitfalls. People in these diverse communities tend to vote less, volunteer less, give less to charity, work less on community projects, and trust their neighbors 50% less than people in more homogeneous settings. Not a day passes that progressive media, academia, recent immigrants like the squad, or some progressive protest assails the European heritage upon which this country was founded. White Americans are now told that this isn't their country, that they didn't build this, that they're no longer welcome and need to return to Europe, that white oppressive races must die, will soon be replaced, need not run for public office, and that their evil constitution and white culture must be destroyed. 
Astonishingly, white progressive Kool-Aid drinkers still vote for their own and their family's demise. Remember when the children of the Mooney's cult had to be deprogrammed? The massive number of illegals pouring in haven't been invited. They're invaders. This invasion isn't a religious humanitarian cause to embrace. It's orchestrated and planned by the global elites and cartels to enrich themselves and steal our country. Like uninvited house guests with their uninvited friends who have stayed too long, they now complain that you become an imposition in your own home. They no longer like the food you serve, the programs you watch, the rules you impose, and now they demand you leave. It's apparent that the corrupt politicians and judges no longer represent the American citizens who voted them into office. They're paid by the global corporate elites and only represent the global elites and the illegal perpetrators that they endorse. John Adams said, Liberty lost is lost forever. A third progressive ruling class application is climate change. Climate change is another hysteria the progressive ruling class has promulgated to maintain their control and moral superiority. Climate change gives them more control over people's behavior than health care. Progressives certainly don't seem to be concerned about the damage that 250 million more legal and illegal immigrants will do to the environment. While the progressives are selling climate gloom and doom, they're flying around in their private jets, living in 500 square foot houses, heating their pools and driving Hummers. They sensationalize fabricated information, then use their media friends to peddle their propaganda to increase taxes and pass laws that control and limit your freedom. Like their progressive counterparts in Europe, they want to deny you cheap energy, making it more expensive to heat your house, drive to work, and purchase goods. High energy costs keeps you poor and submissive, restricting your movement and freedom. Regulation like the Clean Water and Air Act is needed to prevent hazards like the Cuyahoga River Fire of 1969 when factories dumped raw sewage into our rivers and backyards. Not needed is self-righteous progressives using climate change to control every aspect of our lives, lording over our backyard mud puddles, toilets, light bulbs, meat, and diet, just to name a few. For example, plastic straws comprise less than 0.05 of 1% of all plastic waste, yet they are the latest progressive weapon used to push people around and disrupt lives. According to the World Economic Forum, 90% of plastic waste dumped in the ocean comes from 10 rivers, 8 in Asia and 2 in Africa. But the cowardly progressives won't go after China because they'd get their asses handed to them. According to the EIA's website, U.S. CO2 emissions generated from electricity in 2015 decreased to their lowest level since 1993 thanks to our technological advances in fossil fuels. However, recent studies argue whether CO2 traps greenhouse gases that supposedly cause warming. Ed Berry, Ph.D. Physics, claims the U.N. Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, has grossly miscalculated human-added CO2. His new calculations show CO2 does not cause climate change. In fact, his new evidence shows no amount of reduction of CO2 emissions will have any measurable effects on climate change. Nature controls the level of atmospheric CO2. Additionally, ice core data from Greenland reveals 8,000 years of zero correlation between CO2 and temperature. CO2 does not drive temperatures. This new information makes fraudulent all claims, laws, actions, and treaties that seek to reduce CO2 emissions. The IPCC does acknowledge there is little chance weather is connected to climate change. Still, progressives try to prevent third world countries from using fossil fuels, even though the dung, wood, and other substances they burn shorten their lives and emit far more pollutants than do coal, oil, or gas. Progressives want to impose a carbon tax that will cost the poor and middle class billions more in goods and services each year. China and India admit over 70% of the world's CO2 and should regulate their stink. The progressive cowards, however, go after the country that puts the most controls on their admission, feeling safe in their plot to destroy the American economy through a socialized redistribution carbon tax regulation. The progressive corporate global elites, who benefit financially from globalization, have hatched a global redistribution scheme to collect a global tax and capitalize on the global climate change hysteria that they created. They want us to finance their global prospects, the infrastructures of underdeveloped countries, by imposing a global carbon tax through the Paris Climate Accord.
This would siphon money into the globalist pockets, finance their ventures, destroy American sovereignty, and redistribute hard-working middle-class American incomes globally to China, India, and third-world countries, while the polluting countries contribute nothing. A quadfecta. A few years ago, the Russians hacked the University of East Anglia's email and found European and American universities were falsifying climate change data to frighten people. Their emails revealed that they kept the climate change charade going so that they could continue their flow of grant money. Michael Mann, the individual behind the infamous climate hockey stick data, was a central figure in the East Angeles email scandal. Most recently, the progressives made it appear that a climate change report was produced by our federal government. Supposedly, that report proved that, because of man-made pollution, life as we know it would end within 12 years. The media, like children, ran with this propaganda. MSNBC called Trump criminal. The Washington Post accused the president of playing with matches. And CNN insinuated that Trump was too dumb to believe in science and that their children would be burned alive on the planet. Discovered a few days later, but not mentioned by the media, was the fact that the report was written by a Berkeley professor named Risen, who stated on social media that he wanted Trump eliminated and claimed religious extremists are overrunning the world. The report was financed by Steyer and Bloomberg, both elite globalist billionaires with global financial interest and whose businesses benefit from globalization. Steyer and Bloomberg, both presidential hopefuls, gave the report to holdover Obama bureaucrats to publish, making it look as though it was a government-generated report. The truth, of course, doesn't matter to progressives. The media continued to use this debunked fabrication to bolster their propaganda. Ocasio-Cortez, who fits the progressive pathological profile, used these deceptive lies to support the Marxist Green New Deal agenda. In a Washington Examiner interview, Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff, Sakat Chakrabarty, made an unexpected disclosure. The interesting thing about the Green New Deal, he said, is it wasn't originally a climate thing at all. The reporter, Ricketts, greeted this startling notion with an attentive poker face. Do you guys think it's a climate thing? Chakrabarty continued, because we really think of it as how do you change the entire economy thing. When Beto O'Rourke joined the presidential race, he cited the report claiming the world would end in 12 years due to the climate change, despite the fact that the report had already been debunked. John Kerry cited the drought as the cause of the Syrian war in refugee flight, until it was discovered precipitation in that region had increased. Progressives are using the same bogus cause to explain the Central Americans' flight. There's that end-justify-the-means thing again. Greenpeace founder Patrick Moore said he doesn't know why they say the world's coming to an end in the next 12 years, because air and water have been getting cleaner for the last 50 years. Moore claims that as China, India, and Africa are pulling themselves out of poverty, they're working on cleaning their environment. He said the people who put together the Green New Deal are basically fronts for organizations like Justice Democracy and the Sunrise Movement. He said that in the last 300 years, the global climate has only warmed between 1 and 1.5 degrees Celsius, which is nothing compared to the fluctuation during the Little Ice Age between 800 A.D. and 1700 A.D., or the prior medieval warming period. These are just the most recent small swings that have occurred compared to the Ice Age in 11,000 B.C. and glaciations that have occurred throughout the centuries. Life flourishes during warming periods. More claims global warming has turned into a money-making political racket that's scaring children. In 1970, Harvard's Nobel Prize winner, George Wall, claimed that climate change would end civilization in the next 15 to 30 years. In 2006, Al Gore said sea levels would soon rise by 20 feet. However, sea levels have only risen 3 inches between 1993 and 2019. Now, Ocasio-Cortez is out ringing the same old alarm bell, telling people their homes will soon be underwater. Obama's science czar said global warming will lead to 1 billion deaths by 2020. A June 29, 1989 AP report by Peter Spillman read, A senior U.N. environmental official says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth if the global warming trend is not reversed by the year 2000. Progressives are still singing the same siren song today. Journalists and satirists, 
H.L. Mencken said, The whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populist alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. Progressives want to destroy America by implementing their radical socialist ideologies such as Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal. They want to destroy our energy resources, infrastructure, and health care systems and replace them with their massive government-run redistribution programs with open borders. Ocasio-Cortez and the Progressives published on their Green New Deal website a statement saying that they'll abolish airplanes and fossil fuels, that people who are unwilling to work will receive paychecks, then they took it down claiming it was never published. The Green New Deal means you must submit to their ruling class tyranny, their control of every aspect of your life, speech, guns, travel, diet, health care, property purchases, and more. Or they'll destroy America by riots, identity politics, changing demographics, and open borders. Either way, they're determined to bring down America and replace it with their fascist Marxist policies. Vladimir Lenin said the goal of socialism is communism. Karl Marx's communist adage was, each according to their ability, each according to their needs. It should have been, with socialism, in the beginning, everything is a right. Health care, housing, food, and education. But in the end, nothing is a right. Ocasio-Cortez is the poster child on how socialized governments turn into tyranny. Already obsessed with power, she's demanding, for her own good, control over all our individual liberties, free markets, property, guns, health care, food, and money. Soon after being placed in the powerful House Oversight Committee, Ocasio-Cortez threatened Donald Trump Jr. because he tweeted about her. Taunting him, she suggested he keep tweeting because she now had subpoena power over him. Recently, Ocasio-Cortez stated, if you don't like the Green New Deal, come up with your own ambitious, on-scale proposal to address the climate crisis. Until then, we're in charge, and you're just shouting from the cheap seats. I'm the boss. Evidently, after citing the debunked Bloomberg-Steyer climate change report that was bolstered and fraudulently substantiated by the media, her Green New Deal and the climate crisis are now a foregone conclusion and we must all obey. To further their agenda, Ocasio-Cortez and the progressives continue to use the Yelinsky rules for radicals technique, repeat the lie until it becomes the truth. Ocasio-Cortez is now creating a list of all Democrats who work with Republicans across the aisle and is going to share the list with activists who will target those Democrats in the primaries. It's starting to look a lot like 1930s Germany or Cuba.